Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, Jenna Barry, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. So if you've been uh, checking us out the last couple weeks, we are in the middle of our divisional breakdowns heading into the season. Uh, we have already done the AFC East and the AFC North. Today, we are going to get into the AFC South, and uh, we are recording this shortly after the DeAndre Hopkins signing, so it's very topical for the division. But walk, how are you, and which team you want to start with? I am great, Johnny. Yeah, we are rocking and rolling through our divisional breakdowns, and you know we fall in the South right now, which is a interesting division to put it mildly. Um, yeah, I guess interesting is about all I can go with uh, in this division. We typically shit on this division. Pretty handily. Um, it's a little better in. than it's been in years past. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's actually a viable playoff team in the division now, other than the one and done Tennessee Titans um, every well, every postseason. But yeah, uh, I'm doing well. Excited to talk South. And, uh, you know, I think I've jumped off the last couple of times. So why don't you take the lead and for the South? Well, I did mention Hopkins, so I guess we'll lead with that. So I'll go with uh, the Tennessee Titans. Um, prior to the DeAndre Hopkins signing, the only free agent whose name you'd even recognize that they brought in was Chris Moore, who I, I've always kind of liked Chris Moore. Never, you know, he's had a few weeks here and there in the in the in the limelight, but he's never really popped. But he's been around the league for a while, obviously doing something good as a pro. I don't even know how many years he's played, but it seems like he's been around a while. But that was it. They brought in him, and until they brought in Hopkins, they really didn't bring in much, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They did lose Robert Woods, and they did lose Austin Hooper. Um, Jeff Swaim and Dontrell Hilliard haven't been signed by another team yet, but technically they are no longer part of Tennessee either. So, They've lost more than they brought in. And, I mean, bringing in Hopkins obviously was the biggest um, free agent wide receiver this year. So that's a giant bump up to this offense, knowing how defenses are going to have to play them from now on. I know um, people were a little concerned about Traylon Burks, but I think that's good for him. I mean, being the number two across from a, a legit bona fide number one, I think is always good for you because the team's – are never going to double team him. You know what I mean? He's looking at much better matchups than he was a week ago. So I think that's awesome for him. Um, then in the draft, they did nothing. They traded for no trades for them. Uh, and then in the draft, uh, 11th pick overall, they took an offensive tackle, uh, arguably the best tackle in the draft, Skoranowski from Northwestern. Second pick of the second round, a gentleman that you and I are both heavily Heavily invested in, unfortunately, Will Levis. Uh, third round, they came back Tajay Spears. So, so far through three rounds, they are looking at the offensive side of the ball since they did nothing via free agency. Uh, fifth round, 13th pick, Josh Wiley, tight end out of Cincinnati. Somebody who I kind of like. Um, sleepy tight end guy, but if you believe in Chig, which you and I both do, it's hard to imagine a path for him to ever really uh, get on the field. Uh, sixth pick. Sixth round, ninth pick, they took another tackle. And in the seventh round, 11th pick, they took Colton Dowell, wide receiver. And you and I talked to quite a few people about rookies and, and Devi stuff and all that over the last couple of years. Never heard of that gentleman, but they made him their seventh round pick. So they pounded offense. Um, 
in the draft, which they needed to do. Like I said, they didn't address it at all via trades or free agency with the exception of this last minute Hopkins uh, signing. So they know they needed some help on that side of the ball and that's where they went. So are they better than they were a year ago? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. Um, you know, Spears is his knee concerns. Derrick Henry is obviously a, a volume monster, but if he gets dinged up like we've seen a little bit more in the last few years, Spears probably has three, two, three, four years of good football in him before they send him to the uh, junk heap of uh, fantasy football. But he, he could have some, you know, splash plays here and there. It'll be interesting to see if they want to reduce Henry's load and, and kind of move it around to other people, or if they just run Henry to the wheels, fall off, and then throw Spears in after that. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens when they play a few preseason games and how they get them involved. But other than that, team kind of is what it is. Las Vegas has them at 7.5 wins. They won – did they win seven last year? Is that correct? Uh, My sheet says no. seven. I felt like they won more than that. Uh, probably not. Either way, Vegas has a 7.5 I had them at five. You had them at three. So you're way lower on them than I am, but we both like the under. Uh, not <clears throat> one of our favorite teams, even though we're, we need them to do well because <laughs> of Will Levis. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, if they don't do well, then we get Levis sooner, I think is the reality. So I think I actually story. don't want them to do well because as long as they're competing, they're going to stick with Tannehill, who's in the last year of his current deal. He'll be a free agent <clears throat> next year. Be interesting to see what they do. He's, he is, uh, what, 35 years old right now? It's crazy to think that. Uh, um, they did go 7-10, and 10, by the way. Okay. 7-10 and 10 10 was correct. Sounds about right. I knew they didn't make the playoffs. So um, two things. Like I said, one, um, Tannehill will be a free agent next year. Tannehill currently carries the second-highest cap hit for any quarterback in the 2023 season. So – that tells me there's no designs on Tennessee extending, re-signing, doing anything with Ryan Tannehill, or they would have already done it, right? Because you would likely want to affect his cap charges this year if you were going to be keeping him for subsequent years. And I do see there's some dummy years on here. And number two, if you had to guess, after the conclusion of this season, how much <laughs> money – Will Ryan Tannehill have made in his NFL career? <clears throat> uh, I'm I, because we do this periodically. I'm going to go with two hundred and thirty-five million dollars. Wow, you generous! One hundred and ninety-six million dollars, so just shy of two hundred million dollars. I thought it was over two. Just otherwise, you wouldn't have asked me. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was still shocked by the number. So, in eight seasons in Miami, he made roughly seventy-three million. In four seasons in Tennessee, ninety-six million dollars. So he's, and I think he's getting paid twenty, yeah, twenty-seven mil actual cash this year to play quarterback for Titans Hopkins going there does change my outlook a little bit. I think it makes him a, you know, a, an adult offense, like it, with just Burks and Chig out there and trying to be as creative as you can with Derrick Henry. I just didn't see any path to victories for them. Hopkins, a veteran is going to balance the field. So I probably would push them a win or two, 
literally just on the Hopkins signing, as I do think it was a yeah. crucial need for them. I'm shocked he went there because it wasn't crazy money. Um, I get it. You got to you gotta get paid um, while you can in the NFL. He is an aging receiver. Um, <clears throat> doesn't have a lot more opportunities to cash, but you know, it was clear that he wanted to go try to quote unquote win a championship. You know, it was talked about Buffalo, talked about Kansas City. I never heard a peep from Kansas City. <laughs> it's a lie what I heard from- determined that was a lie. Yeah, well, I think he was just <laughs> trying to he was either trying to get more cash out of the bad teams or you know, try to you know <laughs> press the good teams a little bit. But you know, Buffalo it was we would love to have him, but at our price. So he signed for like, what was it, like 12 million? Um, I think he can yeah. go up to like 15 or something like that. I mean, shit, Odell yeah, I Beckham think... signed for more. I mean, and Odell Beckham, I mean, I, I'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins on my NFL team this year. Well, you know, the way Odell the Beckham. NFL contracts are structured, you are kind of, you know, you want, you one guy signs, he kind of sets the market, and then everybody goes off that. But there is some advantage to being. The first guy, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. the money's the money. Beckham got what he got. If Hopkins signed right away, he probably would have got more. But, I mean, teams, you know, they go through the draft process. They end up, you know, making trades, doing free agency. Most of these teams, that money starts <laughs> disappearing real quick. And, and unless you're one of these running backs that are just sitting there waiting for the inevitable uh, ACL blowout the first camp of the off season. It's not the same thing for wide receivers. I, I think they're in a much better spot if they just jump on their first big offer because it, it, as time dwindles down, so does the money. Yeah. So Hopkins, two years, twenty six million dollars, so thirteen million a year. It's nothing to scoff at. I mean, Odell got a one year, fifteen million dollar. I'm pretty sure it's all guaranteed contract this year, but Hopkins does have some, some interesting contracting incentives. I know we're going a little bit down the, the Titans rabbit hole, but I wanted to get your take on these and I'm, they're all uh, escalating, right? But it starts at 65, but he gets a million dollars at 95 catches. Any chance he gets 95 catches in Tennessee? Uh, sure. Yeah. I say yes. Put a percent on it. Uh, 70, 70%. 65. John, I was thinking 5%. I mean, if you, I you just put me on the spot. If you, I mean, if I went back through Tennessee's historical wide receiver one uh, targets, then we could revisit this. But just guessing off the top of my head, I mean, they didn't bring him in and pay him this fucking money to not be featured. But you'd be surprised. Do you know Tennessee's history at veteran wide receivers? It's one of the all-time worst as far as Robert, Robert Woods. Robert Woods, Julio Jones, Andre Johnson, Randy Moss. 17 games. He's got to catch. That's 5.6 catches per week. I, I think that's doable for him. I, literally, I'm at, I'm at single digits. A um, million dollars at 1,050 yards. Again, I mean, we're talking 17-game season, 1,050 divided by 17, 61 a game. I need six catches for 61. I'm in. I'm in. He makes Sounds it. like a tight end. We're really paying this guy $13 million to be a tight end. True story. Um, I I think that is achievable. I don't think 95 catches is at all achievable. And then 10 touchdowns for a million dollars as well. Zero percent chance. 
I agree. He's not no. getting 10 I mean, no one, happen. almost no one gets 10. Yeah. Those double it's digit touchdowns are elusive. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's like four touchdowns, six touchdowns, eight touchdowns. So it goes up a quarter mil every one. And then for his catches, it's 65, 75, 85. It goes up a quarter mil every one. Then for his yards, it's 750, 850, It goes up a quarter mil every time. So, I mean, he'll make another $750,000 if he gets 65 catches, 750 yards, and four touchdowns, which is extremely reasonable for him. I don't see him. The only one I see him threatening is the receiving yards. I don't see. I don't see 85 catches in his future. Um, I don't see eight touchdowns in his future. I mean, he's going to be living on the low end of both of those. I think he's probably like a 60, 70 reception guy. If all breaks right, could get to a thousand yards and he's probably a five or six touchdown guy. Assuming health. It's not not the best passing offense. You got to assume health, but yeah, it's, it's made them, they had to make this move. They had to. I mean, if they're really going to roll Tannehill, this is like the end of it because, I mean, whether anyone wants to believe it or not, this is probably the end of Derrick Henry as a Titan as well. And so they're going all in. I mean, they're not a Super Bowl contender. They will not win the Super Bowl, but they're going all in. That's like, I mean, we, we, we talked about this a bunch with like the NFC South. You, you know, they bring in Derek Carr and you go, well, they're probably going to. Best team in the division. <laughs> And, and kind of the same thing here. Tennessee does this, and you go, "Well, they're run, they're in the running for the for the division." But then you go, oh, "Fuck, they're they're not a Super Bowl team." So what? Are, what's their plan to lose in the first round of the playoffs? Like, it, you know, there's just so many teams that are like the the NFL, where you know you could get in the playoffs and get hot, but is this one of those teams? Nobody thinks that. Even that year that Cincinnati made the run, you could see the pieces there, right? Like. They have players you go, oh, okay, I could see how this happened. I don't – there's not a path where I see Tennessee going through it barring some, you know, injuries or some giant playoff upsets, which do happen periodically, but I mean – Can they make what? the playoffs? Yes. Can they win one game in a wild card? Yes. Can they do anything more? No. No. Not no. at all. No, sir. Um, and just to put the bell on this one – Derrick Henry is a, um, a UFA in 2024 as well. So this is the end for him. And he carries the highest cap hit for running backs this year. So oh. they have the number one cap hit at running back and the number two cap hit at quarterback this year on expiring contracts. Yeah, this is this is, this is it <laughs> for the current constitution of the Tennessee Titans. They have a lot of money to spend. I don't know what free agency looks like the next couple of years, but. It's good to free up that cash. All right. Too much Tennessee. Correct. Let's go into a better team. Jacksonville Jaguars. My Jacksonville Jaguars down in Duval. They uh, were a frisky team last year under new head coach Doug Peterson, who I was skeptical when the Eagles first signed him, and then he brought me a Lombardi trophy, changed everything, was unceremoniously shooed out of town because he he would not agree to make – Staffing changes um, and, you know, took a year off, landed in Jacksonville. Good for him. I think he's great for Trevor Lawrence. We saw, you know, significant growth even throughout the season to where Trevor Lawrence um, ended up uh, last year. So in free agency, Darnest Johnson, one-year deal, uh, ever the 
enticing backup in Cleveland. This probably would have finally been the year that Darnus could have got a little burn in in uh, Cleveland, but I guess they didn't want to keep him because I don't think he signed for much, and he took a one-year deal down in Jacksonville. They franchise-tagged Evan Ingram, but they recently agreed to a three-year contract extension with him, so he is locked in down in Duval for the foreseeable future. And they traded for Calvin Ridley, who is inexplicably still on his rookie contract at present. So just very different approaches in free agency, but you know, notable additions. They were hurting in the backfield last year after trading James Robinson. They found something in Evan Ingram. I knew he was going to work in Peterson's offense, and they they wanted to hold on to that. And they bolstered. They continued to add to their wide receiver room. They brought in Zay Jones and Christian Kirk last year. They brought in Calvin Ridley this year. You know, they are adding weapons for a young ascending quarterback. Then in the draft, they went and they used a second-round pick on Brenton Strange. So we're looking at an Evan Ingram, Brenton Strange, pretty athletic tight ends. Um for the foreseeable future in Duval tank Bigsby at 325. So went and got a free agent back and Darius Johnson, and then also dipped into the pool on day two, um, which is significant with tank Bigsby. And then they went and got Parker Washington who had some buzz a year ago in Debbie circles. And that shine kind of faded. He, they got him in the sixth round at six, eight. Um, he'll be a bottom of the roster type player, but there is, potential opportunity for him in the future with the Kirk and the Zay Jones deals um, being shorter term. Calvin Ridley has stated he's on his rookie contract. If he fucks up again, I mean, they're clearly not going to give him a big deal. So Parker Washington's a guy that won't do anything barring significant injuries this year, but could be interesting um, a year or two from now in, in this Jacksonville offense, Vegas win totals by Caesars over nine and a half is minus one fifty five. So juicy 2022 win total was nine. So Vegas is saying that this is Duval's division to lose. And I wholeheartedly agree. They are an ascending team in an otherwise down division. They have an above average pass catching group in Ridley, Kirk, Zay, and Ingram. They bolstered the running back room as stated. So now that's Etienne, Bigsby, Darius Johnson, and still Jamichael Hasty. Trevor Lawrence was the QB seven in FFPC scoring last year and now has even more weapons at his disposal. I'm calling for a top five fantasy football season from Trevor Lawrence. Um, going back to the win totals. The, I had him at nine. Do you, do you know what you gave him? 12. Ooh, you sell yourself short. You had him at 13 this year. Sick man. <laughs> I don't, um, Speaking about their draft picks, I, I really like Parker Washington as a stash. I mean, you mentioned the the other guy's contracts expiring. If that guy can just develop a little bit, he's there's a world where he's their number two next year. I'm I'm thrilled with that guy. I I, I don't think he's there yet, but that that has that is one of the highest upside picks I think you could get in your late round rookie drafts. And Bigsby who I didn't really like coming out. And then he goes here and you go, well, ATN's there. And you go, eh. but you, you know, ATN was a, a pick of the former regime. This is the running back that the new coaching staff picked. Somebody on Twitter was posting about how a uh, few times uh, Lawrence checks down or throws with running backs and, and even looks their way. If ATN is going to be kind of, relegated to the receiving role over time and Bigsby kind of takes over the early downs work. He's the guy to own here. I, I, I have 
come around on Washington and Bigsby big time. I, I, I'm trying to get into this Jacksonville offense where I can. I, I think there are they are definitely a team that appears to be trending in the right direction. And then same thing, you get them. Any of these guys, you're tied to Trevor Lawrence, which you could do a lot worse when you think of his pedigree. And Peterson's, you know, put together a ton of really good offenses in the NFL. So I I, I really like both of those guys as far as rookies and, and what the future might look like you're, for them. You're, you've been big on Washington, you know. Um, so Christian Kirk signed through 2025. Doesn't really look cuttable until 2025, where he's still a 13 mil dead cap. But – Zay Jones only signed a three-year contract, and he is very cuttable next year at only a six and a half million dollar dead cap hit. You know, and then I already talked about Ridley. I mean, Ridley is, you know, he's uh, what do they call it? Um, he's he's on probation. You know, like they if he shows improves this year, sure they're going to give him the bag. He fucks up again, he's done with the NFL, and he and he won't be resigned. Just, Justin Blackman. Yeah, I mean, it's like. You know, it's unfortunate, you know, but this is, this is the way the league is. So, yeah, I mean, Parker Washington is not that far away, but, you know, he's he's free in rookie drafts or, you know, sitting on the waiver in some of your league's post-rookie yeah. drafts. So, I'm with you. So, you already talked about Tennessee. I'm super excited to talk about your next team. Must be the Houston Texans. Uh, Houston Texans. Let's see. What did they do here in free agency? They brought in Robert Woods, who coincidentally left uh, Tennessee that I spoke about earlier. Uh, they have nothing in the wide receiver room. So anything they add can only be a help. Um, they bring in Bobby Woods. They also brought in Noah Brown. They brought in Steven Sims Jr., just a name that's been out there for a while. Dalton Schultz, who they brought in, who... You know, with a rookie um, quarterback coming in, I don't mind, you know, the the tight end in that offense kind of being a, a safety valve for him. And, and Schultz has been good in years past. Andrew Beck, fullback, I just bring it up because I like the teams that use fullbacks. They're, you know, bringing some of that staff over from San Francisco that's used a fullback for years. So he, you know, in these leagues where you really punt the position when you're getting into the fucking buys, there, there's who is the ju- juice check? In the Niners, mm-hmm. I have had leagues where I've plugged him in where I had to, and he gets me, you know, it's better than a zero. I'll take the three. And there's a world where Andrew Beck can get you that three when uh, injuries and bye weeks hit. Uh, they brought in Case Keenum, backup quarterback. Been around the league for a while. I, I think he's a good mentor for um, Stroud. Uh, they also brought in Mike Boone and Devin Singletary. So they attacked, you know, kind of opposite of Tennessee. They really attacked the offensive side of the ball in free agency, brought in a lot of guys. Um, that, you know, have a little bit of experience with uh, this Niner system or guys that they just needed to fill holes like all the wide receivers. Speaking of wide receivers, they did trade away, excuse me, they did trade away Brandon Cooks. They got rid of tight end Jordan Akins, got rid of wide receiver Chris Moore, who I mentioned earlier, went to Tennessee. Um, O.J. Howard moved on. Philip Dorsett moved on. Backup uh, quarterback Kyle Allen moved on, oddly enough, to Buffalo, which is where Case Keenum came from. So it was a like a trade where no one actually gave up anything. And then they also lost uh backup Jeff Driscoll quarterback. So a lot of turnover on the offensive side of the ball. Then in the draft, second pick overall, CJ Stroud quarterback uh, of the future for them. He was my preferred quarterback to uh, Bryce young. 
I think Young got the better landing spot. I don't I don't like the weapons Stroud has. I hope it doesn't hamper his development. They traded up then for uh, Anderson with the third uh, overall pick. Gave up far too much, I think. And if, if Houston sucks like we think they will, uh, they gave up a couple of super early picks. Um, then they went with a center in the second round. Third round, sixth pick, Tank Dell, who I think everybody likes as a player, but there's just no history of success for somebody his size in the NFL. I, I I love the player. I just, and fingers crossed, I hope it works out, but I am very skeptical. Uh, fourth round, took a defensive end. Fifth round, they took a linebacker. Uh, sixth round, another center. Uh, another sixth round pick, a guy that I find more intriguing in the tank, Dell, kind of the opposite. A lot of size. Xavier Hutchinson, wide receiver out of Iowa State, but we've seen a lot of these big wide receivers from Iowa State fall flat on their face in the NFL. So, uh, my expectations are tempered, even though I was a little excited about him coming into the draft. Uh, seventh round, their last pick, they took a safety. Uh, two other players who have not been signed. They did not officially lose them yet. But Rex Burkhead, who's been playable at times, is uh, kind of a featured part of this offense periodically. And then Royce Freeman, who has just been a gigantic bust. So they're not signing anywhere. I don't believe they'll be coming back, though. Um, overall... I don't know what they think of their offseason. They, they brought in some good pieces to put around uh, Stroud, but I think this is uh, several couple years uh, work in progress before this team gets anywhere. Las Vegas has them at six wins, which just at a quick glance, I believe is the second fewest in the NFL. So if that uh, trade falls apart and the Vegas Lions are correct, it looks like Arizona's picking one and two next year. I had them at two wins and walk. You had them at one. So we, we think the future, the future may be bright, but 2023 is going to suck for the Houston Texans. Yeah. I mean, it, I do think better days are ahead. Um, you can't get worse, and, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you literally can. I mean, but you know, their, their wide receiver room's trash. You know, they got a good O-line. They have a quarterback we both like. You know, they have decent running backs. I mean, they send Schultz in a one-year deal, a tight end. I mean, that's just a placeholder. So, you know, I think they're going to take the long-term approach uh, to rebuilding this this franchise. And, again, well, one or two wins is probably unlikely. They're probably a three- or four-win team. Which, where's Vegas have them at? Six. I was say, I don't think Vegas goes under six, honestly. Um, Arizona's at five. <laughs> there, there, there it is. That tells you everything you need to know. Um, yeah, so that's crazy with Arizona with those two teams uh, at five and six wins projected respectively where Arizona could hit reset with Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. next year uh, on offense. Trade away a little Kyler Murray and be off and running. Um in the West, but we'll save that conversation for another time. Yeah. Um, we, we, our projections for both teams. So four projections, we combine them total for, for four wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, like I said, in a down division. That's why I think Jacksonville runs away with this. I mean, I, I think they should go six and over five and one in this division. Yeah. Um, maybe they lose one to Tennessee. They should beat Indy and they should be Houston easily uh, than it's the rest of the division. So they're, they're getting gifted half of the wins that I had them for um, given the division. So talk about the last team in division, these Indianapolis Colts. So free agency went and got my guy Gardner Minshew uh, from my Eagles to be the bridge. 
Uh, he followed Shane Steichen from Philadelphia to Indy, so he knows the scheme, and he's a you know viable backup quarterback. You know, in a pinch, you know he doesn't have. I don't think any grand designs that this is his <laughs> job for the taking on his one-year deal. Um, so this will be an Anthony Richardson-led team in short order. They also signed Isaiah McKenzie. Um, you know, gadgety guy, slot. You know, can give you a little bit in this in their in the return game, but not, nothing earth-shattering at the pass catcher position. Then in the draft, they did take the aforementioned Anthony Richardson at one point oh four. Josh Downs at 3.16, Will Mallory at 5.28, and Evan Hall at 5.42 as far as offensive skill position players are concerned. The Vegas uh, Caesar win total over 6.5 is at minus 140 for the Indianapolis Colts. They were a four-win team last year. So that seems like a notable jump, especially given that negative 140 attached to it. I'm a little curious, John. I don't recall what we did on the Colts. So before I kind of get into my breakdown, where did we have the Indianapolis Colts ended in 23? I have them right in line with that number. I got them at seven. You don't believe you got them at three. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously far more in line where you're at. I mean, and obviously you weren't as high on the Jaguars, um, at least in the win loss total. So maybe barring a little bit back to those Colts in the division. I, I, I don't see them as an easy seven win team. I mean, as the, the odds would indicate, um, but seven and 10 isn't, isn't all that impressive. Right. I mean, you're, you're not even, you're not even sniffing 500. So, Teams find ways to win. Um, they're not a terrible team. They have a good defense. Uh, we'll see what they can do on offense. So the Colts finally did hit the reset button at quarterback. I mean, after the last several years of just trying to prop up these decrepit or broken down quarterbacks in Phil Rivers and Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan, they took a massive swing with Anthony Richardson at 1.04. This man has 12 college starts to his credit. A career 54.7% completion percentage, a 24 to 15 interception, touchdown to interception ratio. But boy, is he athletic. So we're here talking fantasy, and he could be quarterback one in fantasy. Just that is well within his range of outcomes. I don't yeah. believe any other quarterback in this class has, can you can say that about. Anthony Richardson can be QB1 overall. Also, Shane Steichen has proven extremely capable of developing quarterbacks in his last two stops with Justin Hurts and, or sorry, Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. It's weird. They're, they're both JHs. Uh, I just noticed. So <laughs> Anthony Richardson might want to change his name somehow, uh, get new initials, but I think it'll be an ugly, disappointing year for the skill position guys, but better days are ahead. So, you know, you saw where I had them projected at. I just don't see them posting a lot of wins, but you know, sometimes fantasy points uh, you are better in losses, right? As we're as we're chasing, I just I'm not a big yeah. believer in Pittman. Uh, I like Alec Pierce at cost. Uh, we're both fans of Jelani Woods at the tight end position, and I mean Jonathan Taylor is what Jonathan Taylor is, but I don't I don't believe Jonathan Taylor will be a top five fantasy running back this year. Anthony Rich is going to steal some goal line work. He's going to just steal some just raw rush attempts out of this offense, and I just don't think they're going to be effective in maintaining drives. So. Uh, uh, I'd be fading Jonathan Taylor a little bit this year. Part of me almost goes the opposite way. Like I, you know, if you want to take the pressure off of Richardson, you got to lean on the running game, right? 
And if you want to maximize his skill set, you're probably running a lot of fucking RPO. So you're getting Taylor involved a bunch. But there's also that world where, you know, anything within 10 yards, Richardson just puts it in his pocket and <laughs> Taylor sits there and watches him run in the end zone. So that it, it's, you know, but breaking news can go one of two ways. But, yeah, it, it, you could make a case for both, I think. But I, I, I get the concerns. And then I get the optimism at the same time. Yeah, I mean, consider me terrified this year of any piece of this offense. And I just don't think they really like. I'm, I don't like their wide receiver room. Now, I wasn't the biggest downs guy. Um, he fell to the third round. You know, when he was getting some round one buzz uh, at one point. Um, I already said not. I don't like Pittman, and I just like Alec Pierce at cost. Alec Pierce at cost. So just I, I, still, I still think there's some playmakers away. And their offensive line hasn't been nearly as dominant um, uh, of late as they were a few years back. So, on the on the plus side, they get to play Houston and Tennessee four times. <laughs> this is correct. Yeah, we we have established that there are winnable games in this division. So I I don't disagree. Ugh, well, that closes on a whimper. This this division sucks. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Uh. What do we got? Look at the NFC. Where, where can we finish there to make this even more disappointing when we wrap up the whole thing? But yeah, so that yeah. should do it. I mean, the, as a whole, we knew this division was terrible last year. It's not very good this year. It is a lot of these teams are trending upward, though. Like you could see they're trying to fix it. Whereas, you know, some of the other teams that we do throughout the year, it's like, did they do anything to even try to <laughs> get better? So at least there's a little optimism here, even though we think they stink. But other than that, you got to add anything, or are we out of here? No, it's uh, we've said more than <laughs> enough about this division. So that should do it for us and the pitiful AFC South. For myself, John DeBarry, my co-host Matt Walker, and our friends at Expand the Box Store, we are the Fantasy Forty, and we are out of here. It's crazy too after working in the Vegas clubs for years <laughs> and the pool parties and shit and not being there for years because why would I be? The the <laughs> the two things I noticed that have changed. Number one, everyone wears a thong now. And number two, not everyone should be wearing a thong. I was gonna now. say, and, and half the people should not be, right? <laughs> There, the it's level of half, confidence in modern half is society, generous, sir. Half yeah, is generous. The level of confidence in modern society is staggering. It's just it's reached these epic proportions, and it's because you can't say anything to anyone anymore, and people know it. So they're just is. out there, put you know, testing the limits. That's all we're doing these days. We're testing the limits. And speaking of, look at, look at there you go, Johnny. Look at that. Nice. That's what, I think that's one of the best logos. I like that. That's one of my favorites out of all of them. It's a quality logo. I, the Paps one is cool, too. I bought the Paps shirt as well just because I was a Paps drinker for many oh, a year. <laughs> like terrible. a lot of Paps in my life. That shit's awful. It's terrible. But I could crush a 30 in my, in my heyday. <laughs> um, it was Keystone Light for me. 
Yeah, the Keystone Coppers. <laughs>